Do you enjoy the final two questions I always ask at the end of the show? I think it's a great way to track the currents of the Python community. This episode focuses in on one of those questions. What notable PyPI package have you come across recently? Not necessarily the most popular one, but something that delighted you and people should know about. Our guest, Antonio Andrade, put together a GitHub repository cataloging guests' response to this question over the past couple of years. So I invited him to come share the packages covered there. We touch on over 40 packages during this episode, so I'm sure you'll learn a few new gems to incorporate into your workflow. This is Talk Python to Me, episode 346, recorded November 24th, 2021. Welcome to Talk Python to Me, a weekly podcast on Python. This is your host, Michael Kennedy. Follow me on Twitter where I'm at mkennedy and keep up with the show and listen to past episodes at talkpython.fm and follow the show on Twitter via at talkpython. We've started streaming most of our episodes live on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel over at talkpython.fm slash YouTube to get notified about upcoming shows and be part of that episode. This episode is brought to you by Coiled and TopTowel. Please check out their products during their segments. It really helps support the show. Antonio, welcome to Talk Python to Me. Hey, Michael. Thank you for having me. It's fantastic to have you here. You've done some really cool work to highlight some of the guests and some of the things that they've covered. And so I feel like this is going to be a very meta episode where we reflect back on what has come before and what people have recommended. And, you know, we're coming up, it's not quite December yet, but we're coming up on the end of 2021. And so maybe a look back is, you know, in order. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think from my point of view, you know, I think it's, it's a way to celebrate the people and celebrate those small, you know, packages people are highlighting and they have of, of, of each of the podcasts. I, I think it's lovely, you know, I think they it deserve to have a place somewhere where, you know, everyone can contribute and you can go back to history and, you know, remember all these, you know, two point to three point, you know, and, you yeah. know, how things have been evolving. You know, it's just amazing, really. Yeah, I, I agree. Thank you. People have asked like, hey, is there a way I can see answers to those last couple questions at the end of the show where I ask people for a notable PyPI package or what editor they're using and It'd be interesting to see, especially in the editor changing over time, um, stuff like that. But at least on the notable PyPI package, you put together a really cool GitHub repository highlighting, at least going back through 2021, mostly, I would say, uh, what people have covered. So during this episode, we're going to dive into and discuss the highlights of the notable packages that the other guests have put out there. So that's going to be great. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Great. All right, before we get into that, though, Tell folks how you got into programming in Python. Okay, so try to make it quickly. Uh, you know, I grew up in a really humble family, but you know, we have tons of education and Legos. You know, mm-hmm. so see, the first time I managed to have something I can really call it that was mine and could do it was when I entered to the university. I still have it. You know, this oh, what is that there? Is that a Texas I, instrument I or an no, HP? That was or what a, is it? A, the HP. You know, at the time it was oh, super yeah, okay. cool. You know. So anyway, the, the point is, I start um, a, at the university. I, I study um, electronic engineer. I'm, I'm the person who is my wife now. She was studying civil engineer. Okay. So they used to use these old Casio calculators, you know, and they used to have a lot mm-hmm. of 
programs thrown in there. Yeah, they were not libraries. quite computers, but they were almost yeah, yeah. Computers. I mean, you they could, were, you, like, you could, like you could download on them, right? Exactly, you can download the whole application. And what happened is, you know, to calculate a bridge, a building, or whatever, they used to use the calculation. So I decided to, you know, try to, you know, get some you know, laugh out of this and you know start translating all these uh, programs, you know, from from this Casio to to this HP, and you know, and helping the you know the other guys in the in the yeah. university and you know that helped me a lot to to get you know really deep into right so straight away you know i started uh, programming uh visual uh, basic i then in, in the same university you know i have done assembly c oh my goodness c plus yeah. plus yeah you know the whole thing right so uh, more recently you know once i start you know after graduation um, I, I have tons of experience with, you know, the languages like, you know, C-char and, and recently, you know, with, uh, recently with Python, you know, and tons others, you know, I, I just love this really. It's just an amazing way of do end to end, whatever you want to do, just, you know, you can make it super quickly. Yeah. It's, it's all about empowering people to build things quick and yes, exactly. accomplish, right? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I can't even imagine programming from the old Casios to the old HPs, because they were really interesting to program. They were not like super high level. No, no, languages. exactly. You know, but you know, in terms of you know the for loops and the inputs and the logic, and you know, once you get the stuff, then it's easy to switch between uh, languages, right? I mean, this has been amazing. And what is funny is, you know, yeah. the way how I uh, went through Python, you know, uh, there was around. I remember quite clear, you know, I was, I was uh, finishing my master's dissertation. Uh, I was doing some uh, uh, deep learning work at the time. Uh, once I was finishing, the, one of my colleagues, you know, he told me, yeah, Google just released something called TensorFlow. I, said, hmm? I went there, this? look at the, uh, at the web page, you know. I couldn't understand the syntax, you know, I was, what is this? And this, you know, my colleagues say, no, that's Python, you know? I was like, Ooh. yeah, but, you know, TensorFlow, you know, the API is a bit uh, uh, different, you know? Anyway, so I decided, I, I remember like two weeks after that, I was, I took a flight from uh, Moscow to Barcelona. And on my flight, I installed the application, you know, to learn Python. And the teacher, you know, once I landed, I could do the one-to-one -one translation, you know? So after that moment, that's <laughs> yeah. it, you know? I mean, everything, backend, you know, pushing also front-end, gluing everything, beautiful integrations, you know? And what I think is, is the most important is the time you save, you know, that is, is, is it's just amazing, you know? If you want to get out uh, an MVP, a minimal variable product, you know, if, if you want to prove value, I think, Python is probably the best way how to do it. In a couple of weeks or days, you can get out something out and prove it. It doesn't work, you know, just fail fast. Don't wait yeah. one year, right, you know, to, to, to show the value. Then, you know, you can improve as you go. So it's just amazing. Yeah, fantastic. I've been doing a ton of programming lately, rewriting some e-commerce stuff and other things. And uh, yeah, I'm, I've been enjoying being deep in the code lately and just appreciating how quick you can move. That's fantastic. All right, so are you ready to dive into these things? There's no real format other than just the chronological order that it came out, right? Yeah, let's go. All right. Well, maybe uh, quickly introduce your GitHub repo that you created that obviously is going to be in the show notes. People 
I'm sure you wouldn't mind if other people contributed content back to the repo, right? Absolutely. You know, I mean, if if you, you know, I see what I'm doing right now is, you know, usually I listen the the podcast when I'm commuting work to work. So I, I wait to to listen everything, to understand the context and everything, and then go there and, you know, uh, have a, 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 a branch and uh, do the do the modification for the for the um, uh, for the new episode. If if you guys want to, feel free, you know, to do a fork at the new episode and and you know and contribute, you know, straight away. I would be mm-hmm. more than happy to you know to 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 get compliments. And you know, if anyone can help me to go back to the years, it's fine. I'll promise I will put it because you know I have most of the tools is automated. You know, I'll, it's it's all about a. Uh, uh, Going back and you know doing some cleanup, right? So as the as the you know you you, you publish the the, uh, the 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 text, you know the transcripts. Yeah, the transcripts. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I'm, I'm trying to use a bit of you know NLP, you know, of, you know to try to get what's the package. You know, having that's that's really one of the reasons why also I try to do it, right? Try to get it. It's not that right, but you know, if anyone wants to you know do this cool stuff, why not? Good learning. Yeah, sure. The actually the um, the transcripts are all published to GitHub just as text files. So if exactly. people want to go at them, they don't have to scrape the web or anything. They can literally just fork it and and pull them down. I'll, maybe I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. So you created this repository, and basically for each episode, at least the recent ones, you go through and you highlight what was the episode, when it was published, who was the guest, those kinds of things. But the whole point is to show. Well, what did that guest answer? Those guests, if it's a, a set of panelists, who what did they answer to the notable PyPI package that people should check out? Exactly, you know. All right, and and, and then it's there, you know, we try to keep a small description, you know. I mean, uh, the and the and the and the links for the for those packages. So great. So should we? Yeah, let's let's dive in. So episode three hundred and forty-two was right, the so- recent one published. We actually recorded some between, uh, we've recorded them, but not released any exactly. episodes beyond that. Exactly. So as far as like what's on the podcast is concerned, 342 at the time of recording is the most recent one. That was Gui Talarico um, talking about Python and architecture and construction. All right. What, what, he sh- what did he give a, a shout out to? You know, I mean, uh, Pythonics, you know, I, I know this is, you know, it's quite famous, that package, you know, many people are using it. I didn't know mm-hmm. about it, you know, so it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Because, right. So you want to do an automation for something, you know, let's say that you have a small uh, uh, Arduino or, or Raspberry. You want to you want to uh, keep something in the house, you know, I don't know if you detect something on your camera, go and, you know, turn on the, the lights or whatever, you know, or if this is stock market and in these indicators, you know, this is happening, go and sell and buy, you know, it's yeah. perfect. It's just amazing, you know. Oh yeah, this is really neat. So it's like a graphical designer for um, running code in a Docker container or on Raspberry Pi. Yeah, or you run it there, and then it writes. Does it actually write Python code? I don't know. I haven't tried it, uh, but I haven't tried. You know, because yeah. you know, I was just listening yesterday. So uh, what I will say that you know, it, it seems to be quite visual. You drag and drop seems to be that you drag and drop make things, and then you know, the whole logic may be there. So. Uh-huh. We need to explore it, you know. I, I think yeah. this is this can do pretty cool stuff at home, you know. I don't know, like Halloween, you know. Go to take the face, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. have your whatever, your Chromecast, so, you know, just talking, you know, your uh, 
when the kid comes in a, a costume, exactly. see exactly. see what kind of costume it is and pick the right video to play for them. That'd be exactly. awesome. Yeah, so Pythonic graphical Python programming for trading and automation. Yeah, I, I love it. I, we always need more graphical type of stuff in Python. I think of the places where it, it could get a little more strength and support and features, building UIs and doing things in a, a UI-oriented way, uh, I'm all for it. All right. Yeah, that's an excellent one. Okay. Yeah. Then exactly. Then then, then then the previous one was uh, uh, Beck. So he was he was uh, telling us about the UMAP uniform manifold approximation and projection. You know, in a nutshell, is you know whatever we have so much data uh, in so many dimensions. You know, usually you know I work with a uh, real time multi dimensional real time data and whatever you need to analyze it, uh, whatever yeah. you need to understand. You know how they cluster together. This is beautiful, you know. I mean, uh, just load your data set, run it, and then you can have a dimensional uh, uh, reduction uh, on the data set, and you can plot it, and you can see things you were not able to see before on the data, you know. Uh, also, plotting, you know, you don't need to plot the, you know, whatever millions of records, you know. You will just do the dimensional reduction, and and it's then it's, it's easy to understand a bit more about the data. It's just beautiful. Or those yeah. out there on the data science, you know, I didn't know about this one either. Yeah, I didn't know about this one either. This looks fantastic. Uniform manifold approximations and projections. Yeah, this is not a world that I, I actually get a chance to spend a whole lot of time in. But yeah, it sounds to me like a little bit of the world that you're working in, though. Uh -huh. This this is the thing that's that's relevant, right? Exactly, yes. Yeah, cool. So you get all these like nice visualizations of the data or like how it's grouped and, and a lot of uh, nice visual aspects like color plus. Um, exactly. So you, know, you can, you can be, so basically you can get clusters out of your data and from out of there, then is when you start working with the data, right? So I don't know, you want to detect something out of a lot of noise so you can really, you know, separate noise from the data, for example, mm -hmm. or if you want to classify a bunch of Tech. So you want to do something different, you know, and, and, and find other ways how to see this in a smaller data sets, in, in 2D data sets, you know, that's that's the way. It's just amazing. Yeah, very cool. And of course, this is a recommendation from Bex Toychev, who talked, you know, he's all into Kaggle and Kaggle competitions. He talked about 25 pandas functions you didn't know existed with probability 0.8. <laughs> which I thought was a nice it was um, a, Yeah, the title was the title. really good, yes. <laughs> the title was really good. Yeah, so this is a perfect follow-on to like, you've got this data in a data frame and, and let's try to understand it a little bit, right? This portion of Talk Python to Me is brought to you by Coiled. You already love using Python to build your data science projects, but training models and working with tons of data on your laptop is limiting to say the least. But that does not mean you need to learn new cloud APIs or buy expensive and hard-to-acquire hardware. Just use Coiled.io. Coiled supercharges the tools you already use for scale and performance, so you can use Python for your ambitious problems. In the words of Eric Ma, principal data scientist at Moderna, quote, quite literally, burst into the cloud from your laptop, everything I've been dreaming of since grad school, unquote. With Coiled, you really can burst into the cloud with a few clicks and stay focused on solving the important problems. Adding Coiled to your project takes less than one minute. So what are you waiting for? Get started today. Just visit talkpython.fm slash coiled or click the link in your podcast player show notes.
number 340. This was Anthony Shaw. Anthony, we love you, man. Pigeon. You know? Yeah, man. Thank you so Shout much out. for everything what you guys are doing. Eh? It's just amazing. Yeah, he's doing tons of good work. Uh, so what did he uh, talk about? Great. So, you know, um, so uh, he told us about uh, this package, three packages. So the first one was the Tortoise RM. Uh, uh -huh. This one is an easy Async IO ORM. Uh, I, I try. It's pretty, I mean, the API is, is really simple and clean, you know, and this uh -huh. is what stands out from, from the rest of the ORMs, which are currently starting to support uh, Async IO. So I, it deserves a good try. Yeah, I think so too. It's certainly simple to use, right? It's if you've used Django ORM or if you've used SQL Alchemy, it should feel really natural to that. Exactly. And then whenever you do the work, uh, you know, just I guess it's worth pointing out this looks like uh, an active record design pattern ORM where you operate directly on the documents as opposed to a unit of work, which is SQL Alchemy, where you like create a session, do a bunch of stuff, and then save it. So you would go, like, if you created a tournament object, you could just say, tournament.save, but because it's async first, you say await tournament save. If you want to create one, you say await tournament.create and you pass the data or same thing for the queries and so on. So if you're using any framework like Fast API or Court to make Flask async or anything that's basically async first, right? If async is almost entirely about scaling the time you wait, exactly. not trying to do stuff in parallel in Python for the moment at least. And databases are where we wait, right? We wait exactly. on databases all day. That's like what a lot of apps just do. Exactly. And I'm, I'm more in that example, you know, it's using SQLite. <laughs> so here you go. Simple, clean, beautiful API, ready to go. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just pretty neat. Yeah. Awesome. So Anthony wasn't content to suggest just one. Oh, no, just three of them. Let's, <laughs> let's dive into the next two. But, you know, let's just probably, you know, quickly on top of this, you know, why not to use the same idea and apply this for MongoDB? Here you go. Absolutely. So uh, simple. So this, this uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce uh, Bini. Uh, Bini. Bini. Yeah, here you I go. I think Bini. Yeah. So that's, that's something, you know, I will suggest to the people, you know, who are, uh, you know, the owner of the repositories, <laughs> try to put, you know, yes. the, how, how, how they want us to, you know. Yeah. How, how, about, how about this? A little play button. Just next to the name, where you just hit play, and it, it's the, the creator of the project saying the name. Here you uh, go. I think that would be great. Because sometimes um, it's clear, but sometimes it's not clear what part should be an acronym and what part should be tried to say out. Like, theoretically, this could be Bean IE. You know, and it's it's not. It's Beanie, I believe. But, you know, you don't know that all the time by looking at it, right? So having a little play about it. Yes, I'm, I'm exactly. all for this. I, I exactly. often... I often criticize places saying if you are anything to do with graphs, UI, whatever, you should have a picture <laughs> on your site because a lot of them don't. And I think this is another good suggestion. Let's have some. Yeah, the pictures, guys, sound. you know, put something, please, you know, it makes so visual. And if you don't have the, the small logo, you know, I don't know, maybe a small screenshot of, you know, animation of how it works. It helps yeah. a lot, you know, to have exactly. Tony out in the audience says, I agree regarding the pronunciation. All right. We already got three votes for this idea. Yeah, I do go. think it helps that the icon is a hat, like a, the beanie hat. So I think that's going to help. So, so there will be a challenge for our GitHub team. You know, let's see how, how <laughs> exactly. quickly they can release such a you know, small enhancement. Let's see. Let's give it a try. Yeah. So beanie is an 
ODM, like an ORM, but when you don't have relations and you have documents, you change the R to a D. It's an asynchronous Python ODM for MongoDB based on Motor, which is MongoDB's async Python library, and Pydantic. So if you want to talk to MongoDB using async and await, and you want your things you exchange with it to be Pydantic models, all that sounds great to me. Beautiful. Yeah. So it looks really cool. I'm using MongoDB, of course, for TalkPython and TalkPython training, all those things. And I'm using Mongo Engine. I would certainly consider using this for it, but I'd already created it, you know, five years before it existed. So that's one of the problems, right? Exactly. You know, I mean, but for someone who is starting, Anthony is recommending it for a reason. So I will go and take a look at that. That's a- yeah. And just uh, sort of uh, foreshadowing. In a couple of episodes, I'm going to have Roman Wright, the creator of Beanie, on here to talk about Beanie. So we'll, we'll dive cool. more into it wow. in a future episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll get we'll get into the details. All right, and, 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 and exactly the the last one, you know. So it's pretty good, you know. So basically, mm-hmm. it's a, a SQL host scanner, so a dictionary attack tool. So you can pass a a, a filter of series of passwords, you know, and lend. And give it a try. Allow it to 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 find uh, vulnerabilities. You know, it's just it's just amazing. This type of tools, you can't imagine how uh, useful are in the enterprise. You know, there are a ton yeah. of them running every single day, every single second. Try to you know, the security teams uh, trying to hack themselves. Hundreds of databases. Trying to database find out what is going set on. Up. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Hundreds of them set up, and who knows. <laughs> Who knows who set them up and if they configured them correctly. And yes, so it'll exactly. just hammer away for known usernames and passwords and, and defaults and all kinds of stuff, right? And then exactly. list out the ones that it finds, which which is good. Great. Yeah, very good. Uh, okay, so that was the three from Anthony Shaw. Thank you, Anthony. And then we had the Guido Von Rossum and Mark yeah. Shannon on to talk about yeah, uh, no time, eh? performance. Yeah, that I'm, was I'm, great. I'm, 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 I'm guessing, you know, I mean, I'm not sure... Guido will really, and Mark will, will suggest uh, uh, a, any package, but, you know, I, I really love see, you know, both of them joining and sharing the job they're doing. I think it's amazing, yeah. you know. I've, uh, you know, I have a question, you know, for, for them and also Anthony, how what they're doing, you know, it will uh, work all together, you know, times will say, but right. I will right. really appreciate because the work. what Mark Shannon and Guido are working on is different than Pigeon and what Anthony mm-hmm. Shaw is working on, which is different than Sam Gross's work on Cinder um, and so on. Uh, not Cinder on the uh, No Gill, sorry. Uh, Cinder is done by Dino Phelan. So there's just all these projects of people doing stuff. It'd be great if they could you know, find some common ground to, to amplify that. Exactly. You know, whatever they can do is really welcome. I'm sure the community will appreciate it. And each of them have a different use cases and it, they will they will hit a limit. So let's see. We, you know, whatever support they need, you know, community is here really to help. Yeah, right on. All right. Next, back in October, middle October, we had episode 338 using CI build wheel to manage the scikit hep packages. And I learned a bunch of stuff about just how to properly build Python packages from Henry Shiner, the guest there. That was a lot of fun. Uh, what was the thing he recommended? Right. So Plotex. Guys, you know, if you love CLI, you know, like I do, eh, go and do everything there on your console. Period, you know. You want to plot a time series, you want to plot your stock market, you know, you want the price and you want to do extra things. That's the tool. I didn't know, you know, it's so, so cool. This is crazy. So cool. 
Yeah, 100% Python. And basically, it plots directly to your terminal. So if you wanted to do something like matplotlib, even the syntax it says is similar. If you want like a bar graph or um, some bar, uh, some uh, like uh, distribution curves or even a picture, it will literally put that in the terminal. If that makes sense. <laughs> wow. This is awesome. Do you have some kind of use for this with the projects that you're doing where yeah, uh, you've, you, you've for, got to look example, at data? Yeah, usually, you know, I mean, even when you are lo logging things, you know, if you want to do full debugging of something and you want to understand what is going on and you want to show it right there, you know, this is beautiful, you know, you can understand, I don't know, uh, some data. So you don't need to really get out of your application and go to, I don't know, a notebook and play there. Yeah. You can enable that flag for you to book it and straight away, you know, right there. It's just amazing, really. I mean. Yeah. I on Over on Python Bytes, we spoke about this thing called, here's another one where we need the pronunciation. Ute, Jute, Jute. J-U-T. Yeah. I don't know. And what it does is this one will let you take the output of a, basically take a, a Jupyter notebook and let you put that into, uh, and basically view the notebook in the terminal, which is pretty awesome. Um, so this one is like, but you don't really get the graphs and stuff of that, right? You get like, yeah, that's exactly. Output. But at, at least, at least you see yes, the cells. Yes, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So all. But this one gives you then then the plot right there. You know, you send the ask yeah. issues. Yeah. Nice. I wonder since the syntax is really similar to matplotlib, I wonder if there could be some add-on to Jute Ute that says if you see a matplotlib, you know, stub it out with plot text. That'd be awesome. All right. Well, time to try. Time to try. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, thank you for that, Henry. And then we had a panel of Waylon Walker, Yatunda Dada, and even Danov talking about Kedro which is one of these like frameworks for managing data science, almost like pipeline, but a little bit larger than that. Do you do anything like that? Do you use like Kedro or Luigi or Airflow or any of those things? Not really on on job-wise, but um, personal use, yes. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll go through that one down there. But um, what is interesting is, you know, in the, the two packages, they, they recommend it. So one, you know, is the, the first one was the F, as a spec file <laughs> yeah, here's, system here's another one that interface could help. I think for F Python. Spec. Okay, here you go. I think it's file system spec. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, when, yeah. when I listen to a little tent, yeah, little when hint I listen, and this is the thing, you know, when I listen to the podcast, I was like, okay, so I needed to come here and read it like two times to try to get exactly uh, what they, you know, what, what, is, what is aiming from this one is, is quite valuable mm -hmm. library, you know, I mean, treat all the files. It doesn't matter if it's in your desktop or, you know, in, in mm -hmm. on the cloud or whatever location, have a simple API to go and handle the, the files. It's just amazing. I didn't know, you know, I work a lot of with Pandas Data Frame, for example. Yeah. Uh, even when it's not, uh, uh, you know, uh, data related, data science related, you know, uh, I, I, I used to uh, get the help of all the C underlying the the, the pandas right. and the numpy, you know, like if, if I went to do a, a, a iSQL query, I use pandas. I don't, you know, I usually don't go through a, a, the ORM. And, and the reason is the speed, you know, you go and check and you can do the insert or you can do things through through the pandas uh, pretty, pretty quickly, you know. And these things are all in, in the back end, you know, helping to yeah. to do that. It's just, just amazing. Yeah, it's super cool. If, if you want to write the file sources that are not actually file sources. 
then this is a really, really good one for that. Um, yeah, so people could look through the docs, but also out there, let's see. I was hoping somewhere there's like a list of all the different things. And I they know they, 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 the files they support exactly. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But there's things like databases. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Excel, because it, it makes all those kind of things. Anything to behave like a file, you know, a simple API that handle, you know, everything, all, whatever have to do with data, they will, they, they, they will do it in, you know, so simple, you know. Put the URL. Mm-hmm. And it put all the path, uses the, 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 the with uh, open syntax, right? Amazing, amazing. Yeah, here's here's a little example of like fspec open some URL to some some place could be S three or wherever, and then you just use it as as a file, like as a file object, which is great. And then obviously this one was from that episode with William Walker, who happens to be in the audience. Hey, William or Wayland, sorry. It says, yes, FSSpec does not get enough love. Yes. Makes it. Exactly. You know, and that's the reason of this repository. We need to keep it there. You know, people should take a look. That's it. Simple. Yeah. And that's why I started asking that question. I'm like, all right, I know there's things like this that I've never heard of that I should be hearing of. And then the other one was DynaConf. And I think we got to FSSpec because DynaConf used it potentially, I I believe. So this one, you know, Really, I didn't know this. Uh, you know, there is that's the beauty of Python. There is one library, one package for to do everything, right? So, so this one is a w- easy way how to do setting loaders. You know, mm-hmm. as I put it there on asteroid. So it doesn't matter if you have a py, ini, a json. You know, uh, other formats. Just it will handle it. Period. You know, forget about yeah. what is out there. Super easy to to use. Yeah, and it has um, like support for environments like development versus testing versus production. And also, you, you can keep like the secrets. Levels. You know, the the file for the secrets, the file for the the the, the settings for the secrets, and the settings and you know, the normal settings. So mm-hmm. well yeah, designed um, plugins for Django and Flask. Uh, talks to HashiCorp Vault for some of the secrets and, and so on. Yeah, this is quite neat, and it makes good use of emoji in its output. So I always appreciate a good emoji in the. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I know it's so small, but it just makes me smile when there's a little color, a little pizzazz. So yeah, uh, really good. This portion of Talk Python to Me is brought to you by TopTal. Are you looking to hire a developer to work on your latest project? Do you need some help with rounding out that app you just can't seem to get finished? Maybe you're even looking to do a little consulting work of your own. You should give TopTal a try. You may know that we have mobile apps for our courses over at TalkPython on iOS and Android. I actually used TopTal to hire a solid developer at a fair rate to help create those mobile apps. It was a great experience and I can totally recommend working with them. I met with a specialist who helped figure out my goals and technical skills that were required for the project. Then they did all the work to find just the right person. I had short interviews with two folks, I hired the second one, and we released our apps just two months later. If you'd like to do something similar, please visit talkpython.fm slash toptal and click that Hire Top Talent button. It really helps support the show. And that takes us on to something that has been getting a ton of attention lately is Will McGugan's work, episode 333, Terminal Magic with Rich and Textual. Rich and textual. Yeah. I mean, th- yeah. thank you guys. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just piece of great work. You know, they have done. Yeah. Uh, you know, during the podcast, they they uh, mentioned about the this object explorer. Yep. So quite 
cool, you know? Get your objects. Yeah. Uh, I mean, your, 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 your object and just, just explore it, you know? It's, it feel like you were in your IDD. Simple, you know? It's just... <laughs> For those yeah, uh, so CLI lovers, I, I, here you go. Yeah, so what I used to do is I would like type print out dir of object, D-I-R parenthesis object, and it'll show you basically the, the dictionary of functions and fields and just all the attributes and whatnot. This is way better. Like imagine something like, I, I don't know if this is actually using rich. Let me look real quick here. Yep, this is based yeah. itself upon rich. <laughs> so imagine rich was used to, build like a beautiful UI that you could arrow, you know, list out stuff. You could, you know, search through and arrow through and select things. And yeah, this is fantastic, right? And that will be the, 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 the reason why we have the textual. The other one uh, that we're talking about is, is just, is the same, right? So mm -hmm. uh, using both rich and textual, you can do these type of things. Yeah, rich lets you write really awesome stuff to the terminal, like t um, progress bars and tables and colored syntax highlighted JSON and whatnot. And then textual kind of allows you to lay out different parts of the screen. So you can have like a thing docked to the left and then fill the rest of the terminal with the output as you select the thing on the left. Yeah, perfect. That, that's kind of what this is for DIR, but way, way better. I love it. Exactly. Awesome. All right. Uh, so on to, we're all the way back to middle of September with episode 335, Gene Editing with Python. And our guest here was David Bourne. And he talked about one that I hadn't heard of, but I'm sure some people could definitely use in the DevOps space. So AWS and also, you know, the rest of the cloud providers, you know, Google and everyone else, they have such a beautiful uh, APIs to integrate with their systems. And this is one of them, right? So uh, so many things you can do, do with, you know, uh, it, that's it, you know. I mean, I, I, I really love the way how all this Cloud providers are, are enabling all these APIs to do absolutely everything. You know? yeah. yeah, I mean, you hear of, of like one of the things that makes cloud computing special. Like there used to be the joke. Let me see if I can find it. Cloud computing is just like it's just someone else's server or something like that, right? There was that joke, and oh man, I'm not finding it on the the quick search here. But there was this joke that you know what is the cloud? It really is just someone else's server. But one of the real big differences is that you can program against this thing. Like I remember way back when, when we were doing some e-commerce stuff and some software stuff, we went to Rackspace and we requested that they provision a server. And like several days later, a human had said, yes, Michael, here's your server we made for you. And uh, that was great back then. But with the cloud, it's all about programming against the infrastructure, like infrastructure as code type of thing. And this cloud development kit that David suggested was all about, well, here's the P Python API to program AWS, basically, right? Mind blowing, you know? I mean, if, if you see, you know, the, the, the implementation, I mean, the, the impact on the enterprise, these type of APIs, you know, and the, and the ability to do it through Python, it's just, just neat. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's super cool, yeah. It's not a thing that I do very much. I do have some APIs that work against our servers for like, if everything goes right, zero downtime deployment on like Git push type of things. 
but not to the degree that like the cloud development kit will do, right? You could do way, way more stuff than what I got going on. All right. And then uh, David also suggested Luigi. Luigi. Okay. Luigi. I mean, this is, this is, this is, uh, you know, the whole, you know, when I listen to this, this name, Luigi, you know, remember my, you know, my wife, uh, family is, is Italian. So, you know, uh-huh. see what this does. This does everything, right? It's the biggest spaghetti, right? It's workflow <laughs> management, task uh-huh. scheduling, dependency resolution, everything in one place. <laughs> Even has uh, a visualizer for all yes, the like the yes. the dependency graphs and whatnot, right? And this is really good because you know, like Dask style, you know, you can do the whole. Uh, you define through functions how your workflow uh, will work, and as things start completing, you reach to the end to the completion. You know, they can be quite isolated. They can be uh, near to you, far away. You know, in the cloud or in other providers and. Then you can reach your end goal and know when things fail or know when things are completed. I mean, mm-hmm. applications, you, you know, awareness yeah. to where where the that particular job is is making it through because you can see what parts finished, what part is still working, what's waiting on what. Yeah, it's very cool. Exactly, exactly. You know, who wants to do again home automation? Who wants to do you know in the enterprise? Say you know completing your workflows. Here you go, and then you have a beautiful, nice user interface, a web interface. Uh, you have all in, in is, is one stop. That's it. Yeah. And for people out there who are all about Python, which is the audience, basically, <laughs> everything in Luigi is Python instead of XML configuration or similar external files like think YAML, <laughs> JSON, whatever. The dependency graph is specified with within Python, which is pretty cool. Right. Yeah. And I think this one came out of Spotify. If I yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And this is something I, I really love from the tech companies. They, they, their management have understood that you know uh, they can uh, uh, work together with the open source community. You know, mm-hmm. we help them. You know, and you know, back to my position as an enterprise. You know, we, I can I can use it right. So it's just really a call from you know every single company have something that can be open source. Go ahead and do it. You know, you are going to to get so much out of it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, worse case nobody cares best case you find other people who are passionate about this thing that you built and then they'll help you improve it you know without any effort from you right like that's awesome for a company to have other people help exactly they find the box for you you know they help you with the documentation it's it's a win-to-win situation yeah exactly there's so many of these things that companies have to build not because it's their core value property proposition it's just that well, we needed a thing to schedule some stuff. So we figured that out. But like, it's not what makes Spotify special, right? Exactly. So they don't exactly. need to hide and protect it, right? Put it out exactly. there. That's great. All right. Next episode, going back uh, to September 18th, uh, September 9th on the recording, I guess, we talked about the planetary, uh, Microsoft planetary computer, which is like basically cloud computing for people researching <laughs> climate change and similar geospatial stuff. That was Rob Emanuel and Tom Augsburger. Yeah, Rob, Rob and Tom, thank you for sharing. I think this is, you know, the, we need so much of this, you know, in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, it's well-deserved, you know, this type of contribution. You know, if any big company can, you know, just go ahead. Don't wait, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And so the thing that they recommended, I can't remember, I think it was Tom, but I'm not 100% sure, was Seaborn, which Seaborn. also I saw back, when we were talking about the um, the one that Bex recommended, 
which was the um the umap one that also was mm-hmm. had a bunch of examples exactly. in in seaborn yeah so in the yeah uh, you, you usually in the data science world you know seaborn is is really used you can do everything with matplotlib <sighs> i don't like how it looks like uh, I know yeah. many people will come back to me and say, no, 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 you haven't tried X and Y and Z. <laughs> I know. Uh, but, you know, out of the shelf, that's it, you know. Seabarn, just, just hey, get the library. Look how incredible this joint plot looks. Like, if people go to the gallery and just kind of scroll through this hexagonal yeah. Um, yeah. joint plot, some of these, yeah, it's do. not just showing you the data, but it's like, wow, that's publication-level beauty mm-hmm. right there, right? Really nice, really simple, you know. I mean, you get the same that you get out of Matplot. We'll say, you know, it's like a comparing uh, the old Android with the with the Apple, you know, with the <laughs> iPhone, you know. I'm an Android guy, right? So, guys, I'm a Windows guy as well, you know. I use, uh, you know, myself, you know, I use Linux through my uh, li- Windows for subsistence, you know. So, yeah, yeah. But anyway, but that's a big competition, you know. You Yeah, you can do things pretty good in Matplot, but there's so many things out there, which out of the shelf, it looks beautiful, you know. It, it also has a nice API. Yeah. Easy to use. One one stop for beautiful visualizations. Yeah, absolutely. Tony out in the audience says Seaborn is great. So another yeah. vote for that as well. All right. Uh, back to the perfect threes, episode 333. I thought this was a really fun episode. The state of data science in 2021 with Stan Siebert from Anaconda. See, so, well, the, the, the um, NumPy and Spicy on, on GPU is, is I think it's, it's, it's a great achievement mm-hmm. or so many things we use day to day i mean every time you guys are talking to your phones and you are you know uh, even when you are not doing anything you know the camera's watching you you the whole thing there is so much happening out there thanks to the use of the gpus at the time you know yeah still use so uh, the 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 two pi co pi uh, allowed to get that array and process through gpu it's, it's Pretty good, and you know this. The beauty of this library is that you know it's used for so many others that help everything to go <laughs> to to go yeah. on a steroid. Yeah. Yeah. So QPy, QPy comes from CUDA and Python. So I'm guessing QPy is a NumPy, SciPy compatible array library for GPU accelerated computing with Python. There's a lot of qualifiers there, but that basically means if you're doing stuff with NumPy. You can throw this at it instead of happening on your CPU. It'll happen on CUDA cores on, say, your NVIDIA 3080, which is an insane amount of computation. Yeah, very cool. Do you guys use GPUs for anything? Yeah, yes, in the industry, you know, mostly it's used for the seismic uh, processing. Mm-hmm. The uh, you know, it's a big size of uh, images. That's usually where uh, Linux is in the the energy industry. Most of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you, you have to do all these 3D graphics, uh, all this processing from all these uh, surveys data that all this may be used, okay? Yeah, fantastic. I would love to see things come along that are a little more uh, interchangeable. Right? Like the CUDA stuff is fantastic, but CUDA is just NVIDIA. And we've got, you know, AMD with Radeon. We've got the new, uh, my new laptop's got like 16 neural cores or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but you know, we all are getting these systems laying around and you know, it's, it's very hard to um, get a hold of the GeForce GPUs. So I, I'd yes. love to see like a, whatever GPU you want to bring or neural engine you want to bring, but I totally understand that 
that doesn't always work so easily. All right, the next episode is a very popular one. Um, uh, one of the most popular ones we've had recently called Robust Python with Patrick Giafor. Yeah, yeah. And so he talked about Stevedore, Stevedore <laughs> managing dynamic plugins for Python apps. See, when I, when, I, when I was listening to this podcast, I was regretting so much time I wasted in my life. <laughs> I built this you whole know, thing. It working on my, on my, you know, add-ons, you know, my plugins, you know. This is just so simple. That's yeah. it. And at runtime, you know, forget about doing imports and, you know, your new file and the whole thing and need to go and, no, 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 stop doing this. Guys, there is a solution. That's the one. Yeah, cool. So basically, if you want to build a plugin system for your code and make, uh, for your app and make things interchangeable and, and whatnot, Stevedore looks really good for that. Very nice. Back to August, summertime, uh, episode 331 with Lucas Slanga. Lucas, thank you so much uh, to, to, I mean, if to everyone, right? But, you know, also to you, you know, I use Black so much, you know, I know that uh, all the, all the things you are today, uh, you know, going on today, uh, you didn't mention Black. But, you know, we decide to add it here. The yeah. uncompromising code for matter, you know, is that helps so much with people's relationship, I guess, you know, more than beautiful Python, no more fighting, you know, that's it. Just get agreement. Everyone use black. That's the setting or by default. Yeah, it. it's one of the things Simple. where you can just take that whole debate and conversation out of different people's hands. It's, it's not who is the most... Um, unmovable in the team or loudest in the team or whatever it's look we're just going to agree the community said black is close enough maybe no one's going to be 100 percent happy with how things format but it's just going to happen automatically and we're not going to worry about code formatting anymore and yeah I will, I, I, and i think that's fantastic i will change the, the name you know of the description the uncompromising code formatter by you know the frictionless frictionless code formatter yeah. i mean this is this is just beautiful yeah, and you have people using different tools. Some people using PyCharm, some people using VS Code, some people using Emacs or whatever. And if you say clean up this code, what that means to those different systems, especially because you can customize <laughs> every little detail, right? Like I want a space here, but not a space there. Those all become merge, not necessarily conflicts, but changes just because somebody cleaned up the code, but there's not a meaningful change on that line. So doing something like black in a pre-commit hook means you're not going to get those little weird changes just because the tooling decided to have a, a different to change the form. Yeah. yeah uh, Douglas out in the audience says thumbs up to black right on. Yeah, exactly. Cool. You know, yeah, you're starting to see it be brought into other things as well. Like it just got uh, integrated into Jupyter notebooks, I believe. Yes. Um, yes. Or no, I, I have, the, I always get this wrong. It now has support to point it at a Jupyter notebook and have it format that. So very cool. Okay. That's the way how. I'm pretty sure I, I may have reversed it twice in my mind, but I think that that's how the, the PR suggested that it's going to work. Okay, so episode 333, this was a fun one. A, a group of Yarek, Caxel, and Leah talking about Apache Airflow, which is another one of these workflow pipeline things in Python. Um, yeah, so yeah, exactly. I, so, I actually, no. did I actually get a chance to ask them a question on this one? No. I'm run out of time. No, you know, that's, that's the reason why, you know, sometimes I used to, you know, when I, when I managed to get it, uh, because, you know, my time zone with you guys, uh, when I'm there, you know, I, and you're getting to the end, I usually, you know, try to get that small uh, uh, comment on the chat of uh, YouTube, uh, just to, you know, to remind people, you know, don't miss the question, it's quite important. It was missed here, but anyway, uh, amazing library, again, 
uh, for data pipelines. You have yeah, your, Apache Airflow looks really nice. You can do your your scheduling and and, and monitor. You know, I think it's pretty similar to how we described Luigi. I think there's Luigi, a lot of similarities. But a bit more, yeah. a, a more you know data focus. You know, why use a lot on the on the data science uh, works. Yeah, absolutely. It has all these integrations, which is nice, right? Like if you want to cl- plug into other data sources, you don't have to necessarily program against them. You just grab a, one of those integrations and, and run. All right, episode 329, I had my friend Richard Campbell back on there. We talked about renewable energy. He's always fun to dive into the geek out episodes, but we, given the topic we were covering, it didn't really make sense to have a question and we were exactly. out of time anyway. So exactly. thanks, Richard. But uh, no question, maybe I'll, I'll get one from you next time uh, we do something like that. Talk Python to me is partially supported by our training courses. We have a new course over at Talk Python, HTMX plus Flask, modern Python web apps hold the JavaScript. HTMX is one of the hottest properties in web development today, and for good reason. You might even remember all the stuff we talked about with Carson Gross back on episode 321. HTMX, along with the libraries and techniques we introduce in our new course, will have you writing the best Python web apps you've ever written. Clean, fast, and interactive, all without that front-end overhead. If you're a Python web developer that has wanted to build more dynamic, interactive apps, but don't want to or can't write a significant portion of your app in rich front-end JavaScript frameworks, you'll absolutely love HTMX. Check it out over at talkpython.fm slash HTMX, or just click the link in your podcast player show notes. Episode 328, Piccolo. Uh, another ORM and also one of the async ones, which is uh, fun, but package, this is Daniel Townsend. The package was not Piccolo. That was the topic. The package is Pydantic. Pydantic. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> this is one of the, one of the, these uh, really good packages, you know, uh, out there. Yeah. Data validation. Yeah. That's it. It makes yeah. I so I think simple. I think it really is. I don't know if it doesn't get enough love or not, but it it deserves a lot of love. Let's say that. So it's it does really beautiful importing and transformation of data. So if you're receiving data from a file, or if maybe you're receiving it from an API and the data is not super cleaned up, this thing will do its best to one either automatically clean it up or two it will tell you precisely what's wrong with it. So like, suppose you're getting a JSON document back and it has a list of things and the third thing in the list is not parsable as a date time or something crazy like that. It'll tell you the third thing in the list couldn't be converted to a date time rather than exception in valid format, right? It's beautiful, right? So that's that's one of the things that's lovely. The other thing is it uses type annotations in really meaningful ways. So if you have a, of like the example on the website says, here's a user with an ID colon int. That means there's no specified default and the data provided must provide an int because it's not an optional int. It must provide an ID. There's a name, which is equal to John Doe. So you don't have to provide one. There's a default. And because the default's a string, name is a string. But there's a sign up that may or may not have a value. So it's an optional date time. And all those things factor into the transformation and the parsing and whatnot, right? Yeah. Super nice, and the other thing is they it works with Fast API to define the open um, the open um, API the Swagger stuff. So, for example, let me see if I can find. Um, I created a Fast API over at okay. weather.talkpython.fm because I had been using some other weather API for a course, and of course they changed. They used to be free, and now they're not free. 
And so I'm like, well, if I got to rewrite this course, <laughs> I'm not going to depend on some somebody else's API again. So it'll answer questions like, you know, what is the weather or whatever, right? Nice. But you can also go to, I say docs. Yeah, just go to slash docs and you get like, oh, here's all the data that'll be exchanged. And here's, it's going to return um, a forecast, which has a wind, which has a speed, which is a, a number and an integer. And all this is automatic from Pydantic being plugged into Fast API. It's beautiful. It's, it's just amazing, you know? I mean, then that's the thing, you know, that's how you glue this. Uh, libraries and these packages together, you know, what makes the magic. Mm-hmm. Some of them are really beautiful by itself, you know, when you start using all together and then you put on top uh, whatever, rich, if you want to, then have a beautiful yeah. output on the CLI or whatever. So that's... Uh, Absolutely. Brilliant out in the audience says, Pydantic is one of those packages that makes my work successful without flair. Yeah, just... Exactly. It just makes it easy. Just, we're just going to do that. All right. All right. Uh, let's see. How we do on time? We got time for a couple more there. A couple of more. We weren't able to 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 finish all, but you know, the, you guys yeah. are getting you know what's the, what we're trying to do here. The, so we're we're on July now. I think I'm going to predict we can make it to May, and then we're going to run out of time. But this episode was really cool. I thought also episode 327, little automation tools, because I think it speaks to so many people who are not necessarily oh, I'm like chief senior software architect at Instagram or whatever. Like everyone can uh, use these. We had. <laughs> Uh, Rivers Cuomo from Weezer. We had Jay Miller, we had Kim Van Wick, and Rusty Gregory on in the panelists here, and that was super fun. Amazing. So they they introduced uh, PipX. Mm-hmm. Have you have you tried? I didn't try. Oh, I use PipX but... all the time. I oh, love PipX. Nice. Oh, it's so okay. good. I use uh, version management, but uh, you know it's it's so simple. You know they have this small uh, uh, GIF on their GitHub uh, repository. Mm-hmm. Uh, go install it and then you know just do everything against the the pipx yeah yeah and you, so and i heard keep... about pipx uh when it first came out and um that was i remember chad smith i believe was told me about it and it was uh just an individual project and now it's part of PyPA, which is the python packaging authority so it's become sort of official and you know people use uh homebrew for mm-hmm. macOS, they use app for Ubuntu and chocolatey for Windows. And that installs all sorts of tools. But if you want something like, I need to install a tool that I could run, and it just happens to be based on Python, well, then PipX is that equivalent, right? Because there's a, there's a lot of programs and tools out there that are awesome that you want from Python. For example, like Black. I want to run Black against a thing, but my program doesn't depend on it. So it doesn't necessarily need to be installed in that virtual environment, but instead I just need it on my system, right? Exactly. So go install it and run that application in your isolated environment. Just beautiful. Super yeah. smart. Yeah. Wayland says, I use PipX for so many things. Instable playbooks, Kedro install, many personal repos. Um, one that I use it for is Glances, among other things. I'll show you some stuff that it could also be used for that's not as interesting. So this this is a fantastic, fantastic tool. Like you get, if you ever use Top to figure out what's going on in your server, the way you spell top is G-L-A-N-C-E-S. Glances, that's what you should type. It is so much better. But it's a Python library, so pip x install glances, and it gets its own environment with its own dependencies in there, and it doesn't mess up. Also, there's uh, recently tip top, which I believe is also based on Rich. <laughs> but if you check this one out, this one also looks like a, a really interesting one where it's like glances. It gives you a terminal... UI about your server, but this one has running graphs 
So yes. running graphs of the CPU across the cores, by the way, like if you got a four core, eight, eight hyper-threaded core machine, it'll give you eight graphs. And then like graphs of memory, network graphs, plus your process stuff. So like I'm, all of these things are perfect candidates for installing with PipX. Exactly. But an, another one is PyJoke. So so if, if you just need some jokes, you can just PipX install PyJokes and then just type PyJoke anytime you want and you get something great <laughs> to come out. Yeah, I've tried that. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. All right. Anyway, PipX is a very good one. All right. So that was, I don't remember who on there recommended that one, but that was a really good one. All right. Uh, let's see. We had Mike Driscoll on to talk about building desktop apps with DevX Python. And of course, he does a lot of stuff uh, integrating with things like Excel and with um, PDFs and stuff. So uh, what was the one he recommended? So open a PY Excel. So mm-hmm. you need to work with Excel. You know, pretty nice API. Um, I, I I usually do it with straight away with pandas. You know, I make it uh, even even simpler. Uh, mm-hmm. But for those out there, I think who, pandas internally might use OpenPyXL as well. Exactly. I, I haven't yeah. I haven't I didn't check, but most most probably. Okay. So mm-hmm. go and read and write Excel. You know, you go and select your ranges. What is your yeah your your, your book inside the your spreadsheet and mm-hmm. super. Neat. And then, you know, go read it, put in a table, do your loops, do your calculations, and then, you know, yeah, process your data. Same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you can even do like formulas and formatting and other stuff through here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it has like full Panda, control of Excel. Yeah. yeah, with like pandas, you can put data out pretty easy and stuff. But if you want to say like, I want this one bold, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I think this is uh, more the level you got to work at, which is cool. All right. MicroPython and CircuitPython. I don't know if this is a a joint episode or a a battle. Actually, it turned out to be kind of a joint episode. I talked to um, Scott and Damien specifically because they had done a ton of work where CircuitPython and MicroPython had merged a lot of the differences that they'd been working on together back into like a more uniform code base. So they talked about um, HTTP Pi. I'm going to guess on that name there. Exactly. So what, what they were, one? yeah. So that one is the a Python base uh, for for easy requests. Okay. You know, I'm day to day. I spend ninety nine percent of my time on Windows. Uh, sometimes, you know, I don't know due to my enterprise uh, policies, I can know do a C car. So uh, that's this is an, an easy way how to how to achieve that. You know, if you need to do a wget command, you're on Windows, for example. That's the way. Super simple, you know? Yeah, this is cool. It's based on Python. And one of the things I think is neat about it is it has a specification file. So instead of like putting, you know, dash D, here, here's a key value thing I want to pass, dash D, here's another, and here's the URL and so on. You just create one of these configuration files and then you say, make the request that's stored in that file and off it goes, right? Exactly. That's neat. Yeah, that's really neat. While we're on that, uh, another one that I like, I'm not sure I could phonetically distinguish it, eh? <laughs> is HTTP IE pronounced, I believe, HTTP, HTTP as well. This one is super neat as well. And one of the things that I really liked like about it, um, is this the same thing? I think so. Let's go to GitHub. Um, but certainly the Python project, I'll go like this. I'll search for it over here. This is also kind of like, 
uh, curl. But what's really cool about it is when you make requests, you just type HTTP or HTTPS and you give it a URL and it'll print out like the headers and the cookies that it got back colorized in your terminal. It'll do uh, pretty printing a JSON and, and code formatting, even like co uh, code highlighting of your HTML that might come back. So Loved. yeah, it's so good. If, if, if wow. you think curl or wget, like put it down, go to HTTPI. And the one I'm recommending is HTTPIE, not HTTPY, which is exactly. all a PY, which is also good. And it has it. I really love this sort of configuration file as well. So I, I see super value in both of them. Um, but yeah, neat. Uh, very good recommendation. Uh, let's see. Gatorade powered Python APIs. APIs. Oh, yeah, this was a. Yeah, this that, is that such an is... interesting one because uh, Rob Senra, uh, they worked on this project called the GX Switch Patch from Gatorade, which is like a thing you put on your arm, it, and then you work out, and then you analyze it with Python. It's incredible. Really nice. Um, really yeah. nice. So uh, coming back around, he suggested Rich. Rich. Here you go. So one of the, you know, I think probably favorites of 2021, you know, a couple of yeah, times mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Really amazing library. And, you know, I, I really love just to go, you know, from reaching port prints and that's it, you know. <laughs> you 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 get straight away a different feel and look uh, working with the CLI. So Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's see. Let, I, let's say I, I'm gonna say we have time on for top. one. Yes, exactly. One more. It's probably probably time to to wrap it up because uh so how far are we made? We made it to the middle of June, 2021. All right. Not bad. Well, this is, not bad. Yeah, not bad. This is Itamar Turner Trowering. Uh, I had him on to talk about best practices for Docker in production, kind of in quotes for Python developers. And that was fun. And he talked about a lot of things, but his uh, package was Pi03. Tell us about Pi03. No, Pi03 is oh, missing. Oh, the link is broken? Wait. Hold on. All right, there we go. Rust bindings for the okay. Python interpreter. What do we got going on here? So, I mean, for 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 this one, uh, if using Python from from Rust, you know, I remember one time I was looking at uh, some source code where where they were uh, in C char embedding mm -hmm. assembly or embedding another <laughs> programming language and running that on Sci and you know doing the whole thing. Similar, I didn't know. I, you know, I, I think I, at this moment it's obvious, right? But you know, I didn't realize that you know you can do this uh, the 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 Rust binding for uh, for Python. So I I don't know. I haven't used uh, a Rust, but I'm guessing they're supposed to be most probably one of these type of wrappers, you know, bindings for so many other languages. When I, yeah. I'm not aware I, of, and I, I haven't really used Rust hear. either. But if I had to go back to a low level language like C. I would prefer to not go back to C, which I used to do. Exactly. I would rather go to something like Rust, like a modern C-level language, I guess, is probably the way. Yeah, so Pi03 uh, will let you write a native Python module in Rust. So if you need to make a certain part of your Python code go really fast and be more native, I guess that's an option. Or in reverse, you can embed Python into a Rust binary and I guess from there, run Python code within your Rust app. So for, right. for, for everyone out there, you know, once you listen to the podcast, you know, if you know about similar uh, library for other, you know, uh, to do bind, uh, bindings for other uh, uh, languages, just just please share it, you know? I mean, it's, it's so nice. I mean, I think it's, yeah. it, it makes things 
So, so good. We need to start now probably just jumping and, and grabbing up because of the time, I guess, right? That's right. Oh, there's but, so many more good ones. Oh, yeah. Alpine, Numba, Rich Again, Fast API, Flash SQL Alchemy, and on and on and on. But, and on and on, yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. I, I, so, guys, you know, is there, just go and take a look. I promise, you know, now in, in December, I will take some leave. I will take two or three days to go back to the previous years, you know, and, and, and you know, try to put everything out there. Please take a look at this one. Please, you know, contribute. If you see something wrong, you know, go ahead. Super welcome to, to receive uh, uh, contributions there. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, people can definitely add to the work that you put here. This is great. Thank you for doing that. That's, that's really neat. Now, of course, before you get out of here, you've got to face the two questions, right? Here you so go. if you're going to write some Python code these days, Antonio, what, what uh, okay. so, editor are you mm-hmm. using? It, day-to-day is, is code. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, you know, when, when I, I, I found super easy to use uh, Google Collapse, not Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm kind of divided, right? So I don't need to, you know, sometimes just get into to VS Code to do something small and check and plot is not useful. Now, um, so I'm I'm divided, right? So when I'm working with projects, small or large, straight away uh, through VS uh, Code, love the integration with GitHub, uh, with with you know uh, containers, everything, you know, everything in in a single uh, user interface, and whatever have to. Do a small web scraping or yeah, do a small data manipulation or whatever. I, I straight away go to uh, the, the Google Collab uh, notebooks and do it right there. You know, I have yeah, the link. I can share it with the colleagues or friends, and it, it makes my life quite easy. Uh, the all all the online notebooks world. There's so all many. of them. All of them. Absolutely yes. all of them. Yes. So many. Are you familiar with the dot? The dot command on GitHub oh, repos. Yes, it's just amazing. Just, you know, if you're on just, any GitHub repos and you just literally press dot is that still oh you gotta so, be logged in to do that oh, yeah, yeah you, you need to be logged in. in to do that but anyway but you, you know it's, it's, it's the same it's as exactly, if you go to code.dev basically exactly exactly you know if they manage to do this oh, you know code.dev, vs code.dev vs code yeah so if if you know they manage to do this you know i'm sure there will be you know this is small enhancement on for the pronunciation of the packages won't be a big deal on github i guess so yeah but yeah, this one is just cool. amazing press dots and open your vs code right there yeah. with all your settings absolutely yeah, I try to not be logged into the the browser I'm sharing on the stream. Nice, fine, I, don't, yeah, exactly. I don't want it to influence whatever shows up. All oh right. yeah. And then notable PyPI package. Okay, let's try to so, let's put something onto your repo from you he, about he, the repo. Uh, That'd be very just, meta. It's just good. So yeah, recently I was, you know, my my you know, my, my daughter, she wants to be YouTuber when she grows up. She's just, you mm-hmm. know, she's uh still too young. But anyway, I, I wanted to help her and do some optimization of, you know. From creating the videos all the way to you know posting yep. this to YouTube, and you know it, it takes time to to for editing and everything. So I wanted to get some help. So I was trying to see if there was any way using NLP to get a summary of any big web page. I don't know. You want to do a small video? You want to do a small research? That's it. Or you want to digest some news? Mm-hmm. So you install this uh, library called Sumi, S-U-M-I. Uh, you basically put the URL of the web page or the PDF. You want to summarize how many paragraphs, you know, how many lines you want mm-hmm. to get out of this. And 95, 98% of the job is amazing. I will say 100% of the time is, 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 is really, it's really good. 
Um, a simple library and command line utility for extracting summary from HTML pages yes. and plain text. So, for example, right? So you go to your uh, transcript of uh, the podcast and you say, okay, give me the most relevant 50 lines out of the transcript of, you know, talk back then to me podcast. And that's it. You can print it out and, and, and get in a, in, a, in a quick way and extract some useful information. Um, and the next one is related to the same, right? So I think this is yeah, not using the 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 uh, the, uh, the the official way. I hope they don't get penalized for me saying <laughs> this. So it's called GTTS, Google Text to Speech. Okay. Yeah, Google Text to Speech. Okay. Uh -huh. So uh, so this one is you know again Python libraries that interface with the Google Translate API, and then you get the MP3. So something I was using okay. these two, gluing these two together, right? So go get the summary, okay? Obviously, you know, you, you know, summary will help you to get the context. You would like to, you know, do the proper referencing and citation and, and everything. And then for each paragraph, you can get the MP3 and put this on top of the video, you know? And mm -hmm. then, you know, go back and having, you know, tools like, you know, with these workflows tools, you know, like Luigi, go and, you know, kick everything and then upload it to YouTube in one go, you know, fully automated. It's, it's just it's just beautiful, you know, how everything is, it, it can be done, you know, everything can be glued together. Yeah. Anyway, for those out there who want to try, you know, it's, 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 it's too hard pretty neat, yeah. Yeah, that is really cool. Awesome. That sounds like a lot of uh, fun stuff to play with. I love the automation. I love the summarizing. That's, I really like that one. That's great. So cool. Good recommendations on both of these. And uh, we now have a new thing to put into that GitHub repo. That's good. That's good. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Antonio, thank you so much for being here. I mean, final call to action. People want to check out this project you've created. What do they do? Please, just, uh, you know, we'll we just click, you know, on, on down there on the podcast, you know, the, the to the link. Uh, go to. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, I'll link to that. It's the main Contribute, thing, right? you know, if you can, uh, if, if you like it, don't forget to, to, Give us a start. Contribute if you see any anything wrong. Please say you know just welcome. You know suggestions are welcome. And if I miss anything, any of the packages, you know, uh, for for those who were in the podcast, also you know as well, just go through and 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 you know if give us give us give us a give us a bit of contribution there. So I promise to go to finalize all of them from episode number one uh, by the end of this year. And after that, we'll try to do a few cool stuff there. So data could be retrieved as a JSON, you know, just try to, to make it more accessible for the people. Oh, probably, yeah, that'd be probably, cool. Probably next, like a... and, and, and next probably we can do, you know, the, the how over the time, you know, if we can uh, record, you know, which was the, the notable, the favorite editor and the times and see how things change over the time, have a really nice graph of how these code start coming up and oh, by yeah. charm as there, well. There's you a know, lot of ways to gather all this up and like... Yeah. Turn it into computer legible data and, and exactly. do all sorts of fun stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Is second one call for action is you know everyone celebrating uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, you know for those you know who are still live, so uh, uh, listening the the live streaming, you know, uh, wish you you know a really beautiful holiday. Uh, for those listening to the podcast, I I hope you know you yeah. you you really have a a good time with some friends. Yeah. If you want absolutely. to. Reach me out, you know, as usual, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter, you know, I try to be nice on Twitter. Uh, I, I used to put everything on LinkedIn, uh, you know, most of my yeah, yeah, technical parts there. 
Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm reachable. If we didn't have time to talk about IIoT, if there is anyone out there, you know, who have pretty cool uh, 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 applications, hardware, you know, where you can go and deploy containers all the way to the edge, I will be super interested to to hear from 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 those individuals and companies and packages and everything you know out there. Yeah, that's you know kind of day to day job. So please, you know, yeah, sounds fun. Reach out, yeah. Right on. I'll be sure to put all your contact info in the show notes. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for creating this GitHub repo, and thanks for the look back to kind of highlighting the last half year of what people have talked about. It's been a lot of fun. Great. Thank you for yeah. having me, Michael. Thanks. Yeah. See you, See you later. Yeah, bye. Bye. This has been another episode of Talk Python to Me. Thank you to our sponsors. Be sure to check out what they're offering. It really helps support the show. Coiled supercharges the tools you already use for scale and performance, so you can use Python for ambitious problems. Add Coiled to your project in less than one minute Get started today at talkpython.fm slash coiled. With TopTal, you get quality talent without the whole hiring process. Start 80% closer to success by working with TopTal. Just visit talkpython.fm slash TopTal to get started. Want to level up your Python? We have one of the largest catalogs of Python video courses over at TalkPython. Our content ranges from true beginners to deeply advanced topics like memory and async. And best of all, there's not a subscription in sight. Check it out for yourself at training.talkpython.fm. Be sure to subscribe to the show, open your favorite podcast app, and search for Python. We should be right at the top. You can also find the iTunes feed at slash iTunes, the Google Play feed at slash play, and the direct RSS feed at slash RSS on talkpython.fm. We're live streaming most of our recordings these days. If you want to be part of the show and have your comments featured on the air, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at talkpython.fm slash YouTube. This is your host, Michael Kennedy. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Now get out there and write some Python code.